This podcast contains adult language. If you want a beeped version of this episode, it doesn't exist. Sorry. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to How to Survive Your Life. How are you, survivalists? How is your week? This is the podcast where we take inspiration from life and tell you how to survive everything. This week, we're doing city living. I'm Molly Merwin, and I'm joined, as always, by Daisy and Kaylee. Ladies, how are you? How have you been since we last spoke? (laughs) It's been good. (laughs) Good. We're feeling very, very bubbly. So I had a bath, right? Yes. And here's the thing. So stressful day like not okay not stressful but just really didn't feel well yesterday yeah and I was like just a bit stuck and like cramped and like oh so my friend said have a relaxing bath because all baths are relaxing so I thought absolutely let's do that so I said to my flatmate I'm gonna have a bath if you need the toilet and she was like I don't but I'll do a kid wee do you remember kid weeks when you're just like (laughs) yeah when you don't need one just in case just in case yeah Yeah. oh that's so funny (laughs) and so I went filled up the bath tested it with my hand before I got in got in and I felt like I was being boiled alive so I got out very relaxing right I'm sure you'll agree (laughs) got out poured in cold water got in overflowed (laughs) splashing everywhere so then I had to let water out I didn't know if I was going to be letting out all the hot water or all the cold water or if it was going to be a wonderful mix of both so then I (laughs) (laughs) so um so then I got back in the bath and I thought oh it's fine but my body had acclimatized to the temperature of being boiled so then I started shivering so I did end up having a relaxing bath and then I was trying to read my book in the bath dropped it in it was a shit book I'll tell you that but we all know what books look like when you're dry yeah you've dried them right yes but I gotta I have to admit something on this Uh, so over the summer when I was using my pool (laughs) (laughs) I dropped my book in the pool and well half of it but I actually kind of like and then when it's dried it was kind of crinkly yeah and I kind of like it so I was like oh it feels like it's been read through already and I feel like if you're borrowing the hardback book off somebody who asked for it I would have to like buy them (laughs) the book so not a very relaxing bath for me what was the book um you don't want to say do you well it's not very good book I'm going to read it because it's just a little page turner but it's called kismet and it's by luke Tredgett. Oh, yeah i have heard what is it about um an online dating app but the writing's really bad like at one point he was describing a guy with long hair and a hook nose as a pirate and it's like <laughs> come on mate like i just thought he did an ma at birkbeck mm. there's kaylee with another cultural review of a book that is now how to survive your I've life a book one star one star. Thank you, Kaylee. Daisy, how are you? How are you since the last time we spoke? Um, yeah, okay. So I thought about having a piece of toast and then I decided that I would have the piece of toast, but I put it into the toaster and then I took it out and I thought this is toast, but it's not quite as brown as I wanted it to be. So I put it back in and then I was worried I was going to burn the toast, but then I didn't burn the toast. I actually just had quite warm toast and then I wanted to have butter but then I had margarine and instead I put jam on it oh that's so shit margarine that's awful I was trying to do I was trying to recreate Katie's bath story I thought that was pretty on point Um, thank you but I love that Katie was just like why margarine yeah, margarine is bad on toast and also Daisy I thought oh she got a little bubble stuck at the back of her throat because her voice sounded just I just I find it funny that you're like a professional storyteller and you told us a story about the bath and it was the longest story I've ever heard it was supposed to, <laughs> I, I personally I think I would do a stand-up routine on it I think you should I think it could be funny I think nobody would laugh but I would I would there you go that's the important thing I think everybody's done that what right or does everyone have somebody who runs their relaxing baths for them yeah <laughs> Because I feel like everyone's been in the bath situation. And I've, I would never put margarine on toast, so I've never been in your your ironic <laughs> shoes. Should we explain to her, Daisy, 
that you weren't serious. I know she wasn't. I know she's doing an impression <laughs> of me. <laughs> she seemed really concerned about the margarine. Okay. Well, thank you, ladies. I'm going to take this train down the track before we go off of it. Excellent. This week, we're talking about city living. Yeah, London's definitely the biggest city I've ever lived in, though I have lived in Atlanta and Denver, but they're much, much smaller than London. Each week, Daisy and Kaylee bring three top tips, and they present it over three rounds, and I, as the judge, will decide whose top tip was best. I give points for top tips. I give points for other things, and I'm now getting used to taking points away, which I really enjoy, inspired by Daisy in the birthdays episode. Kaylee is ahead overall. Kaylee is up by one overall in the season, and she won... She's on a two-episode streak, and she won, or, or maybe you're not. No, you're not, because Daisy won, let me I think. I won the I, last one. You won the last one. Which was online dating. You won dating. Apocalypse and online dating. So, yeah, uh, you're on a, yeah. a two-episode streak, and you won the last one, so you will go first. Kaylee, what is your first top tip? Yeah, people. Okay, so my first top tip is get involved in walking tours leading or taking. Mm. I'm a massive fan of walking tours. When I go on a city break, I love going on them. And even when I move to a new city and I've lived in a lot, I find the walking tours the best way to get to know your new abode. The history, the sights, the exercise, the buzz of the walking host who I think the walking hosts are amazing. They yeah. do the same thing twice a day and they always make it fresh. And the other attendees who are also buzzing with holiday energy. Now, I've been meeting my friend Steve for occasional walks because in the UK, we're in a, a national lockdown, which you can meet one other person for a walk. He lives in Lewisham. So we've been doing little walking tours of Lewisham and he's made a walking tour map of Lewisham, which he highlights in pink when he's done each street. He's trying to cover the whole of Lewisham. It's amazing. Oh my God. Wow. The, ma the map, it looks like a piece of artwork. I love it. And so I'm a massive fan of this project that Steve's doing and I like to be part of it a little bit. So he took me on a walk of all the muse in Broccoli and, and we found lots of hidden graffiti. That was incredible when we did it. And the other day he took me on a walk and showed me all the old stations that used to be in South East London. So to make this tour lockdown specific, be a Steve. Make your own walking tour wherever you are. Keep it simple. Research your area. So when Steve took me on the walk to show me the old station master's house, I walked past that house every day and I never knew what it was. I thought it was just a house. But he's like, oh, it's the old station master's house where he lived. And that's the old station. And he pointed to it. And I just thought it was a lovely fun fact. And it really made my day because now every time I walk by it, it reminds me of Steve. And it also reminds me of what this place looked like back in the day. Yeah. So I've done a Steve myself for you guys. And thought I would make a walking tour for you and tell oh. it on this podcast. So oh, nice. This walking tour is all about gruesome London. So this is a gruesome London podcast walking tour. So maybe you're listening to this podcast on your walk. Or maybe you can just take a little stroll with us as you sit stationary in your house. So I used a book called Bizarre London by David Long. Oh, I love that book. I have Do that you? book. Oh. And there has a chapter called Exceptional Executions with a quote from Anne Boleyn, who I'm a big fan of Anne Boleyn, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely love her. Um, she says, and in any case, I only have a little neck about her execution. <laughs> so if Henry VIII was still alive now, I reckon he would completely be taken to court in the hashtag Me Too allegations. 100%. <laughs> Definitely. Although he is a king, so no, he'd get away with it because he's the king. He can do whatever he wants. He wouldn't get away with it. You don't think so? Yeah, what about Andrew, though? Uh, has he got away with it a bit? But yeah, he has gotten away with it. Yeah, that sweaty old man has very much got away with it, I, I feel. I don't sweat. <laughs> I don't sweat. <laughs> How about it wasn't you because you didn't do it? <laughs> I also, yeah, what a panic. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to begin the walking tour in between Bart's Hospital and Smithfield's Meat Market, where Richard Rouse was boiled alive, like me in my bath, on the spot. <laughs> Richard Rouse was a cook who made the Bishop of Rochester unwell. The bishop could have had IBS, which wasn't recognized as an illness back then. But <laughs> all Richard Rouse could have done with being featured on Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchens. 
because he actually killed 16 of the bishop's attendees with his food. Holy crap. It was a very vicious way to die, like a ham that he didn't boil quite enough for the bishop. So now we're going to move to the Tower of London. Dip, dip, dip. That's the sound of footprints. Where Anne Boleyn, obviously I had to feature her in, she was beheaded there, but not with an axe, with a sword, because she was privileged. That's nice of Henna's, isn't it? Letting her have a sword to chop her head off. What a nice guy. Wait a minute, question. I think I'd rather have an axe, because I think it would go quicker. I would no, think a the sword. sword. The sword is just in one swipe. The axe. Oh, really? Couple of, yeah. From the reading I did. Oh, there was a couple okay. of people I haven't featured them in, but it took seven times for their head to be hacked off and they were still alive on like the seventh hack. Yeah, the sword is, is sharper, I guess. Yeah. So okay. she had no coffin. I'll allow it. She had no coffin. So they put her neat head and her body and crammed it into an arrow box for her burial. In an arrow box? Yeah, an arrow, a box like... for arrows. Oh my God. Yeah, she was tiny apparently, little neck. <laughs> So now we're going to go to Greyfriars Cemetery where Isabella of France is buried. She is said to haunt the churchyard with her husband, Edward II's heart, clutched to her chest. She had Edward murdered by thrusting a funnel up his bottom and running a red hot spit through the funnel and into his bowels. That's how he was killed. Did they pin him down? Like, how does one do that? Yeah, they don't go into all the details because obviously they just... They just remember the really gory, disgusting stuff. But yeah, maybe maybe she pretended that maybe, I don't know, she was seducing him while someone else did it. Who knows? For the final part of this walking tour, we're going to Westminster Hall, where Oliver Cromwell's corpse was ritually beheaded to celebrate the anniversary of Charles I. So... Oliver Cromwell's head spent years on a pike outside Westminster Hall. So there was a lot of that in those days, displaying ghastly parts of traitors uh, up on spikes saying, don't you ever do this to the king because traitors will have their head on spikes or whatever. Happily, that doesn't happen anymore. Although the only comparison I can think of is cancel culture. Mm -hmm. It is pretty brutal uh, Mm -hmm. in an online sort of way. And um, yeah, that concludes our walk, guys. Hope you feel sick. Yeah, I do. And disgusting. And glad that you live now and not back then. Yeah. I love, um, I got to say, see, Daisy, you thought the bath story was not important and pointless, but see how Kaylee brought it into her top tip. So it was all, you know, it's a theme. I, I did that. actually think when Kaylee did that, I... I was amazed she managed to get a callback to that story. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Daisy, what is your response? I Well, I actually do agree with this tip because I like walking tours. I also do like gruesome ones. Ben and I, our second date was on a walking tour in London and the woman was amazing. It was a Jack the Ripper tour and she, a couple came on the tour with two small children and the woman said at the start, oh, I'm not sure. It's like, it's up to you, but I'm, it's not really for children. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, they'll be fine. And then this woman, honestly, I think made a point of like putting like, because they had Im- she had images like laminated and printed off. She always made sure these little kids saw them. I think she put in the <laughs> most awful oh details. And I honestly think she was trying to make a point to the parent like, you thought my tour was suitable for your child. You just wait and see. Like, it was so weird. Um, fun fact about Jack the Ripper. Uh, not a yeah. fun fact, but I went on a big walk around um, the... Where, where is that? Like, White, Whitechapel. Um, yeah, White I was Chapel. Yeah. walking around Whitechapel. And um, there's a chip shop called Jack the Chipper. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Quick question. Were Thomas Cromwell and Oliver Cromwell related? Oh, I... Probably. I, I, that's not information I have. I'm just curious. I don't, I don't think they were. Okay. Why would they be? They the but same. they could be. Oh, because of... The same last Do you know what? I think when I wrote that down, I thought Oliver Cromwell in this was Thomas Cromwell. Is Thomas Cromwell the one who's in... He was the one with Henry Henry VIII. Yeah. He helped yeah. Henry VIII. I, I think I thought that was him in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then 
in the... uh, they are from the same family okay did you just google that yeah thomas cromwell because i actually don't know much about this part of history or you know any it's most famous members thomas cromwell first earl of essex and oliver cromwell the cromwell the lord protector i and you know i don't know a lot about oliver cromwell other than i remember in history at school like as a child always thinking he was a bit of a shit i don't know why he just had like a really he led like the rebellion i mean he helped he overthrew the monarchy right he was he was he led the like civil war the english civil war right can i, can I be honest with you i think yeah. with, with that those storylines it depends who you're yeah. behind because you know when you watch david Attenborough documentaries if you're with the foxes then you're going to be like eat the rabbits but if you're with the rabbits <laughs> you're going to be like no foxes don't eat me so it depends Fair. on who you're who they yeah. tell you as the storyteller yeah. david Attenborough shows us who we should have sympathy with. Yeah. And it's the same back then because Hillary Mantle yeah. right from yeah. a different perspective. And then you suddenly have a different outlook on on these characters that you normally villainize. And like um yeah. wicked, you know? Yeah. Oh the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The witch, the good witch, the bad witch. Actually, she's just a she's not a bad witch. She's just considered one. I don't know. Understood. Yeah, I completely agree. I started reading Wolf Hall last year and I have not finished it. It's like tough, but it's good. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you, Kaylee. Daisy, what is your first top tip for surviving city life? My top tip for city living is because you have to live in confined spaces, often with other people, don't kill your flatmate. And this happens surprisingly often. So in Coventry, which is quite a big city, kind of in between London and Birmingham, there was a man who killed his flatmate. But this man, so this was Matthew Chibnall. He was 55. 55, he killed his friend Anil Vigand, 57, in their flat in Coventry. But he then used the, so the guy, bless him, the guy that died was in the flat for like six days. And in that time, the flatmate who murdered him used his bank cards to go and buy alcohol until his funds ran out. Oh my God. He, at that point... Matthew Chibnall, the murderer, then turned himself into the police. And this man was just not making good choices because firstly, he kills his flatmate. Then he spends all his money on booze. Then he turns himself in. But I do think his defense was sort of funny because he said that the reason he killed his flatmate was the flatmate had used a knife to get his attention and he felt that this was erratic behaviour. And I just thought, I'm not sure if you get to call out someone else for erratic behaviour post-murdering them yeah. and then stealing their money and drinking it. And yes, yeah, so he said that basically just that their, their relationship was strained and that's why he did it. And it was quite sad because the the victim, Anil Vagad, 57, his daughter said, whenever our dad walked into a room, he would light it up. Our dad was well-known in the community, loved by anyone and would be deeply missed. So, like, Aww. I do sometimes think with these murder stories, you forget that someone actually got murdered. Yeah. That's the end of my tip. Basically, he killed him. It was sad. And that's my advice to you is don't kill your flatmate, even if you think they're being erratic. Thank you, Daisy. Kaylee, your response? It would be the scariest thing in the world to live with someone who has those capabilities. And I also found the thing where he was trying to get my attention with a knife. Like, what does that mean? Like, hey, look at this new knife. <laughs> Dead. Like, what was him trying to do? Get an attention? Or did he get the, did he put the knife on him? Yeah. And be like, or was he just going like, nice new knives and then picking one up and going, this one's cool. <laughs> knives are never sharp in shared flats either. They're always blunt. And yeah, I, I remember like, because I've only ever lived in places with blunt knives. And then <laughs> I visited a friend or I can't remember and I was cu cooking with them and I cut my finger because I was like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I cut the carrots like this. Ah, fuck. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I just took for granted that some knives in houses with families are sharp. And there's an extra tip. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, Daisy. Okay, so round one, we have Kaylee get involved with walking tours, maybe even make your own, do a Steve. And for Daisy, because you're going to be in small, you know, shared flats in a city, don't kill your flatmate. So for this one, they're both really good, but I'm actually going to go, if I'm thinking, if I'm telling a friend, like, you're moving to a city, here's what you should do. I would say, 
get involved with a walking tour or make your own. They're great. Like even when I <laughs> imagine if you said, "Don't kill your flatmate," she'd be like, "What? Why would hey, I do that?" Sorry, Daisy. I think "Don't kill someone" is just like basic. I mean, I do agree with you. Fair enough. But I, fair enough. I do think just "Don't kill someone" is just basic general knowledge and good to know. So that's why I'm giving Kaylee the two points. Yeah, even when I go anywhere, we 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 travel. We we do walking tours. There's great. I forgot. Oh, I forgot what the company name is, but there's a company in we only found them in Paris, but they'll do like on Sundays on like the, the tour, the tour guides off days, they'll do the walking, they'll do a shorter walking tour for free. And so then all you need to do, like it's free, but like you give it to them. Yeah. 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 We just gave them what we would have paid for the tour, but then we didn't have to, you know, it was ended up being cheaper because we would have paid tip the tour anyway. So yeah, I think, and, and I always like to do that the first you know, beginning of the vacation, because then you know stuff. But if you're moving to a place, do it in the beginning. And then like living in London, I Googled like Harry Potter walking tours and I just would see their stops or Harry Potter walk. That's what I did. Harry Potter, like filming locations and locations and stuff like that. And so I just made my own little walking tours. And I got to say one disappointment for 2020 for me was I actually had a job with a walking tour company and I was supposed to start with them. Oh. And then obviously, but I was like, so excited about oh, it. I, didn't I was know like, that. so excited about it. Yeah. I had, I had like auditioned with them pre pandemic or like towards like the end of, I forgot when it was, but like, I couldn't do it at that time. Cause I was in school and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be able to do it. And so like, well, contact me when you get out of school. And so I was going to start and yeah. And I've actually also done another walking tour in Atlanta with my old company. We did a walking tour right. in like our area and I took them past Ebenezer Baptist church where MLK preached and where MLK was Martin Luther King was born and it was really fun. Anyway, I love walking tours. Anyway, so yeah, and I think if you move into a city, great thing to do. I controversially, Daisy, you probably are not gonna like it, but I don't care because I'm the judge. I'm actually gonna give Kaylee a point for her callback to her bath story. I did not see that coming. So that's Kaylee with three points, Daisy with zero. <laughs> that face, that face. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I think Cassie getting any points for that story at all really offends me. She should get minus points, but that's fine. No, you're the judge. I should have given, I should have taken the points away, but the way that she was able to work it into her tip, I got to commend that. I got to okay. commend that. You know? All right. Thank you. Okay. With that. Kaylee, what is your second top tip for city living? Okay, so my other top tip is to connect with people online. Whatever city you go to, they will have a different website for that. And you can go on Facebook groups as well. So when I moved to Barcelona, um, it's a website called Loquo. And at that time, this was about 10 years ago, it was amazing. I found all my accommodation on there, all my jobs, and um, as well as intercambios, which are language exchanges. So you speak English, they speak English for half an hour, and then you speak Spanish, they speak Spanish for half an hour. But basically, it's essentially a date in disguise, and they call it intersexios, or I can't remember intersexios. I kind of there's a funny name for it because apparently everyone ends up getting with the other person. I didn't. I did. I one, feel sorry I for whoever's listening to this episode now. Thank God I did loads of them, and nobody shagged me. They just taught me the language. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. But I met my intercambio in in a nightclub, which is really funny because I was like, I don't want to go on a date with you, but I will. This is before I knew what they were, but I will go on a language exchange with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I think opportunities in the city aren't as easy to see on windows and stuff. So opportunities on the forums are broadened. For example, like if you are moving abroad and you might want to connect with some expats as you're learning the language, groups can help with that. But you do have to be careful for scammers. Okay. And I have hands-on experience of a scam and I'm going to tell you about it now. So I'm going to tell you the story of Julian Wickham, real person, I'm not changing the name, okay? So I moved to Barcelona, find this flat on Loco with two of my other friends. We move in and I might have told you before where it didn't have any doors, the rooms. And we're like, mm, we'll move in, but can we have a door? The woman's like, yes. you want a door? We move in, it's curtains. We're like, can we actually have a door? She's like, you, uh, that's a door. No, that's a curtain. She's like, okay, cool. Anyway, 
Meanwhile, I've got an interview to be an assistant for this guy who runs a theatre company in Barcelona, an English theatre company in Barcelona. It's for people learning English and for expats. I'm really excited because it's like a really good job and it would be great yeah. experience. And I'm mm. like, how could I like this? This Just thinking about it, it's amazing. Anyway, so I put my address on the application form and I go to the interview. Uh, the interview, he's just outside on his phone in a really suave suit, like smoking. He's got like, and he doesn't even acknowledge me. And I'm like really nervous. And I walk in and I'm like, I've got an interview. And they're like, oh, he's just outside. So I go outside and he's like, I'll be one minute. I'll be one minute. I'll be one minute. And um, he's from London, the, the guy, Julian Wickham. And so then um, he just takes his fine ass time and I'm just feeling nervous the whole time. And then he puts the phone down. He's like, all right, okay. So we go upstairs and he is interviewing me for the role of his, as his personal assistant. And his first question is, do you smoke? And I say, uh, no. And he looks at me and I go, but I do when I'm drunk. Because <laughs> I feel bad that I don't smoke. And then he goes, second question, have you got a boyfriend? And I was like, yeah, but it's not going very well. <laughs> <laughs> because I felt when I said yeah he looked at me and I was like he's like where does he live and I was like England and he's like mm, okay and I was like but it's not going very well and he was like um <laughs> right no only thing is I'm asking because I need someone serious about the job and normally when people are in a relationship they're not they they've got interests elsewhere and I was like I love theater it's my passion and he was like mm. and and then that's it I think the rest, he was just chatting about what the company was. He was making fuckloads of money off people paying for these classes. They're expensive. Then he yeah. said to me, got a show on tonight. I'll put you on the guest list, you and a mate. Come along and watch the show. I'll speak to you afterwards. So I do that. I get there. Guest list, 15 quid for a ticket each we had to pay. I told <gasps> my friend it was free. Yeah. We had to pay 15 quid for a ticket. We went in. Honestly, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. He put, so he was he he was the main part and he had wrote the script uh, and he oh was the no. main part which got to kiss this beautiful Spanish woman who was his love interest and she was just obsessed with him and but he's teaching the classes he's wrote oh the script God. and he's the main character I have massive issues with that I was watching yeah. it like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen and then every time the lights went out bearing in mind these people are paid over five hundred pounds for the course. And all their mates are watching it. To turn off the lights, to change the set, you just hear <laughs> all the lights in the whole of the theatre go off. And oh then my God. scuffling around they in the dark, these people putting a new set out and <laughs> and then the script starts. Also, bearing in mind he wrote the script, he was the only person who forgot his lines. What? <laughs> he Whoa. wrote it and he forgot his lines. How, how do you know? Did he just like stop mid? Oh, because he stopped and he was like, um, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Anyway, it's three hours long or whatever. Afterwards, me and my <gasps> friends were like, Shakespeare, three hours. Yeah, I got an email two weeks later going, sorry, I'm not going to be able to offer you the job because you don't speak Spanish. He never asked me that question in the interview. He didn't what ask me if mental. I speak Spanish. That was that was a blessing in, in, in surprise. Blessing in disguise. And and yeah, but do you know what happened? He got sued because he was for many reasons, but he'd lied and said that he went to Rada and somebody who took the <gasps> theatre class from him, he, they were like, his theatre classes, I never attended them because after that I just stayed <laughs> clear. His theatre yeah. classes involved him going do this and then walking out, having a cigarette and being on his phone. And he said he went to RADA. This girl researched him, found he never went to RADA, called him, called him up on it. Like he had the most expensive suits and he wore a different one apparently every day. And if you ever spoke to anyone in Barcelona who was like an expat who liked drama, uh, they'd be like, you'd say Julian Wickham and they'd be like, oh my God, what a dick. Like what a dick. And then he yeah. disappeared, disappeared. And no one ever knew where he went. Julian Wickham. Yeah. Same. Okay. Thank you. Hayley, Daisy, your response. That was a genuinely amazing story and so bonkers. At one moment, <laughs> I thought, did Kaylee almost get human trafficked? That's where I thought it was going. I was like, because this sounds like a scam, but also kind of dangerous. And then when you got to this guy, like we spoke about this before we started recording today, how women feel like you can't apply for jobs unless you, what did you say, Mole? Women don't apply unless they've got everything on it. 
I love that, like, I've seen a meme that says, I wish I had the confidence of a straight white man. And it's so true. Imagine, imagine just going, well, I'm just going to tell people I went to RADA. I'll run a drama course. I'll take all their money. I'll write the play. I won't bother with the tech. I'll just give myself all the lines. Like, imagine there's like a level yeah, of confidence. I know, I, I know. almost respect in that. But he sounds terrible, but it's very funny. Great. Thank you, Daisy. And with that, Daisy, what's your second top tip for city living? My second top tip for city living is rethink the suburbs. But I do not mean that in a positive way because (laughs) (laughs) so many people, especially those living in central London, move to the suburbs because they think they'll have a better life. So they move to places like Reading and Hertfordshire because they have it in their mind that they'll be like a book exchange in a telephone box or like a farmer's market or just other twee shit, right? But the Mm. thing is, especially around London those places are still so expensive. And the main draw of them, I think, is because they're near London. But because of that, no one invests particularly in that town. Because like, take Reading. I lived there for like two months before the pandemic hit, and then we we left. But it was like, because it's a 20 minute train to the centre of London, there wasn't much really going on, I felt, in Reading, like especially culturally, because what's the point? Because anyone living there would just think, well, if I want to go to the theatre, if I want to do whatever, you just 20 minutes, you're in London. So it's a bit like if I, like my car, I, it runs on hope. You need context for this. I have kind (laughs) of a rubbish old car, but I keep investing in it. I, you know, pay for repairs to keep it going because it's the only car I have. If I had a Ferrari sat on the drive at the same time that was complete working order and could drive it, I just let my car get grown over and then eventually set on fire, which is probably, I guess, what they'll do to Reading. (laughs) Another place I now can't perform in. Um, (laughs) Reading and Birmingham. (laughs) Two places I regret living. But no, I just think that... um, (laughs) I think that uh, suburbs are not all they're cracked up to be. They're pretty soulless. And I think if you've lived in a proper, like, independent city, I think either live in London if you want to be in London or live in, like, Manchester, Liverpool, Glasgow, Birmingham, wherever. Not Birmingham. Sorry, fucking hell. Not Birmingham. That was such a trip of the tongue. No, that's the exception. Never go there. I mean, Edinburgh, (laughs) Glasgow, Liverpool, Manchester, there's better cities than the suburbs of London. Great. Thank you. And now another place, Reading, that we cannot take How to Survive Your Life on tour. Thank you, Daisy. Uh, (laughs) Hayley, your response. My favorite part of that tip was this idea of a car that runs on hope. And all I can think about is Daisy and Ben as the Flintstones going out. (laughs) Great. Thank you, Kaylee. Okay, great round. So we have Kaylee with Connect to People Online and Daisy, rethink the suburbs, not in a good way. Maybe even, Daisy, think about your location. Is that it? Do you know you like? Just don't go to the suburbs. That's that's... Don't go to the suburbs. That's it. Yeah. Okay, great. So, once again, great tips, but I'm going to give the two points to Daisy. Woo-hoo. Rethink the suburbs because the thing is, if you're moving to London, move to fucking London. Mm. You know, and, and, and now I, I, that does, London is varied and obviously, oh my God. I rem- so I obviously had never been here before I moved here, right? So I was just going in blind. But I remember, I remember when we were looking at places, Alex was like, "Oh, it'd be nice if I could walk to work." I work in central London, and he, I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Like, I don't know. And he's like, "I was like, well, that sounds like it might be expensive." He's like, "There is this one neighborhood, Marlebone. Why don't we look at places in that? That's <laughs> Guys, so obviously funny. we did not move to Marlebone because the moment because I'm tasked with like finding us a place. And it's moment I go online and I see like what how much Marlebone is, I was like, we will never live in Marlebone ever. And uh now we laugh at ourselves at, at that thought of that. But I say that to say that London, using that as an example, is a huge city. And it is expensive, but if you are going to move to a city, then move to the city and there and find a place that is it that you can afford and because there are options. You know, and, um they call London, like back in the Victorian times, they called London a yeah. boil because it just kept swelling bigger and bigger. 
I, where I am now is technically the suburb, Kent. Yeah. But it's actually now London because it's just continuously like a big yeah. oil just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I'm in Islington, which, you know, is zone two. Most of yeah. it is zone two. Well, I'm zone two was- as well. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Okay. But to your point, Islington was the first suburb of, of London. Yeah. So anyway, right. so yeah, I give uh, two points to Daisy for rethink the suburbs, because if you want to move to a big city, move to the big city. Cool. Okay. We go into the final round, two to three, Kaylee, but really it could go either way. And with that, Kaylee, what is your final top tip for surviving a city living? My final top tip is city life is bustling and busy and polluted. Some cities like London have lots of parks and it's not too tricky to get in a car and drive to the Cotswolds or the Beacons. However, some cities are more urban and as a result, inhabitants, 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 inhabitants miss out. However, the city farm has made it possible for people to experience rural life without leaving the city. So my top tip is get behind the community city farm eco and beyond is a website and it describes city farms as community initiatives usually set up and run run in these farms and urban areas city farms bring together all walks of life using the natural world as a bond i quite liked that Mm -hmm. most london boroughs have a city farm when i lived in poplar on the boat uh mud shoot farm was about a 10 minute walk away and it was open throughout the whole of lockdown I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, I visited it every day to um, oh. to help my mental health. But also I was down to start volunteering. But because of the pandemic, I couldn't. Yeah. Also seeing animals in cages made me feel better about my cage. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> Jokes aside, they have a lot of land and the produce is mm-hmm. organic and you can buy vegetables from their allotments. There's one in Stepney Green, Hackney, Vauxhall. Mm-hmm. There's a list of them online if you want to look on eco and beyond they give you a list of all of them and they give you a list of all of them across the uk another farm that i love when i lived in bristol there's one called st werbergs and it's just beautiful it's like a real it's just the sound of the bees they've got wildflower flowers everywhere it's just really a taste of something different life slows down in the city farms where it's because canary wharf is just a stone's throw away from mudshoot and it's hectic and busy but the farm it's chilled you know the bees are just like chilling. It's great. When I worked in a primary school, it was a really good way to go on school trips with the kids. So if you're a primary school teacher, it's a really good idea when things kick off to take your kids along there because they, in the inner city children are in a way like sort of deprived of that aspect, but city farms yeah. make it possible to, for them to connect with agriculture, to understand animal well-being. And to to learn how to sort of just a bit more, I, I don't know what the word is. Um, connect with nature. Connect with nature. You- yeah, yeah. There was a place in Elephant and Castle called Grow Elephant. And I used to go there with the school. Aww. And we'd plant the fruit. The fr- I can't speak today. We would plant the seeds. And the weird thing was it had a massive cabin that they'd made. And there was open mic nights there with music in the evening with a very cheap bar. But in the day it was for schools to come and the kids could like connect with nature and grow stuff. And they could see their things every week growing. So they could see the mm-hmm. process of it. And at the end they take Aww. that home. And the saddest thing is that has been taken away and a massive high rise flat has been built. Oh no. Elephant and Castle has changed completely. And the school I work yeah. in Elephant and Castle, the kids have got hardly anywhere to run around there. Like the parks are so tiny. If all the schools in that area take their kids to a park, yeah. you know, it's going to be too packed. So it was such a, such a sad thing mm. to see go, go from that area. I'm talking quite literally to the UK but there is a website called Food Tank which shows you them all around the world so Mm. you've got La Finca del Sur it's a non-profit farming cooperative in the Bronx New York and it's led by Latina and black women and it empowers minority women through economic and food stability Mm. Sona O2 it's an urban farm in Tokyo that grows over 100 types of produce indoors and underground London are doing that too underground farming you've got the people's potato I quite like that name and it's in Montreal 
and it's a neighborhood collective providing garden and greenhouse space for community members and all volunteers grow and distribute organic produce so I think that yeah if you have just moved to a city or you're in the city connecting with the city farm or the local community can be good for your mental health excellent thank you Kaylee Daisy your response I totally agree with this tip because I I love city farms and I think you're right they're very important and I think they should be protected and supported so I will just fully endorse Cassie's tip this time and we'll all go on a city farm trip when we can yeah I would genuinely love that I'm there love a city farm I think I just discovered one just the other day last week near me I went out for my walk and I just went down to the street it hadn't gone and I think I think it's a city farm there's no there weren't any animals out but it, it and I but I saw signs and stuff so I want to I want to go I think because yeah. it's cold yeah was it anyway. definitely a farm Molly because that didn't sound convincing <laughs> did you see farm animals no well so it had like it had the the space for it and like you know the fences for it and everything and there were signs tennis court mall it had signs like you know be mindful of like t- you know touching the animals and clean and blah 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 but i didn't see any animals out a tennis court it was definitely <laughs> you know what negative two for both of you right now <laughs> that's how it goes uh okay with that daisy what is your final top tip for surviving a city living my final top tip is think outside the box and whether you need to be in a city at all because now that we've moved more towards remote working and some jobs will stay remote i think sometimes people stay where they are purely because they think they don't have an option whereas i read a, a story about two edinburgh students who were in their final year and they moved to Cumbrae, which is like a remote Scottish island for their final semester because they were meant to be doing a semester abroad. And I kind of admire it because it's the thing that I just wouldn't... So they had COVID tests and stuff before they went there and they just decided if they had to work online, they might as well be in like a beautiful Scottish island as opposed to in the city because and rent was much cheaper. And it's the kind of thing that when I was a student... Like I went to uni in Loughborough and I didn't like it, but like Nottingham was a city really close to Loughborough and somehow psychologically it felt far away. Like I didn't have a car there. So I just didn't go that often. Whereas actually there was nothing stopping me in the same way. Sometimes I think people in Britain don't visit Europe enough because it feels far away and it feels expensive, but actually often it's no more or less expensive than just going to another city in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, thinking outside the box and moving out the city if you're able to. But I just want to tell you a little bit about this story about these two students that moved. I don't know why I found this line funny. But so their name was uh, Olivia and Harry, and they were one studies sociology and the other economics. But there was a quote in the article because they hadn't been together very long when they decided to move to this island and not really see anyone much at all. But there's this quote in the article that I think is really funny because Olivia said, some of my friends were asking me if moving together would be too much. But we both just thought our opinions were the most important and thought it was the best idea. (laughs) And that's the end of the quote. And there's something about... It's something about that quote that just really made me laugh because I always feel the need to like explain myself and she was just like some of my friends were like maybe I shouldn't move to a remote Scottish island with someone I've only known for six months but I just decided my opinion's better bye (laughs) but you did I don't know if you guys had this but I always found when I was younger I suppose it became more normal in like my 30s but in my early 20s, I always found it quite strange when women met a man, but then no longer maintained their female friendships. Like, yeah. I I used to live with a girl. And the minute that she met her now, I guess, I don't even know they're married, but partner, like they have a child together. The minute she met him, it was like psychologically, she was no longer in the room. She was just always on her yeah. phone texting him constantly. She was just gone. Yeah. And I've always found that strange because even though I'm married, I've never done that. Like I still speak yeah. to my friends all the time. Like I think mm. it's a balance. I think yeah. that that is so true because of the independent thing. Like maybe some people, that's just the way they roll. Like I remember mm-hmm. I did a job once and it was the half term and the manager of the holiday camp. She was like, yeah, no, I... I my husband works full time and he couldn't get holiday when I did so I thought I'd just work more so she was a teacher 
who works a very hard job and just Aww. because he doesn't have holiday, she just continued to work and save money. Um, and I was like, why can't she go away with her friends or go on holiday with herself? Yeah. Or, oh, but she, yeah. well, for her, it wasn't a consideration. But I think also it depends on their relationship because I would say I have always you know, I haven't had a lot of relationships, but for most parts in relationships, I'm still connected with my friends, but I had one relationship, actually my longest before Alex, where I didn't really, I kind of lost connection with a lot of my friends, not all of them, mm-hmm. but a lot of them. I think honestly, you know, I want to take responsibility because that was my choice and, and I enabled things, but also like my boyfriend, like anytime that I would try, like we would spend all of our time together. And when I was like, you know what? I kind of just want like Monday nights to myself. Yeah. He he was like, no, like he did not like that. I mean, I put my foot down. I did. But he said that as soon as I did that, we started to grow apart. Yeah. So I think also, I know so many mm-hmm. signs, so many signs. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it also depends on the relationship. And if you're, I mean, it depends on the person. Right. But I, I, I think if you're per, for me and my life, if you're with the right person, you can still maintain that friendship those friendships and the relationship. Yeah. If you're comfortable in the relationship, it's, you know, it um, doesn't matter. Thank you, Daisy. Kaylee, your response. Oh, <laughs> I already gave it, but I think, it, I think, um, I think it's a good tip. Could you remind me of it, please? <laughs> no, no. Cassidy, no, no, I remember no. the dark day where I got told off for not listening to your tips enough. I will not help you. I want your response with no help whatsoever. You don't know my very interesting tip. I was listening. It's just because I because we were talking immediately about the independent thing. The first bit of I think it was something to do with um with don't move, yes, move remote 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 working. Yeah. No, that was not it, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> it was. People working remotely. It was kind of that. I love you so much. Maybe you could live in a Scottish island, but you're working in London because of the pandemic. Things are more remote. And I think that's so good because actually, if I had a friend who works at Canary (laughs) Wharf, she works in Canary Wharf as the finance, like in a bank. And her rent in Canary Wharf is so big. She was going to move to the Isle of Wight for six months because she was like, it'd be cheaper to live there and just yeah. remotely. But then she she didn't because she wasn't sure how long the pandemic would go on. But to be honest, yeah. she should have just done it because she'd have been there. The reason li- living in London is so good is when things are normal, like back yeah. to normal, going to gigs, theatre, yeah. walking around London, like in the summer, the parks. None none of that is happening right now. So to be fair, you could save on the rent and, and, and go to to the Isle of Skye or wherever. Egg Island. Great. Thank you, Kaylee. Okay. I, I'm very torn here because I got to admit, Kaylee, I, I took one of your points away. Yeah, I saw you. Paying I was paying attention. You pulled it out. Of, yeah, I got to say, you pulled it out of your ass at the end. So in some ways, well done. But so for final round, we got Get Behind the City Farms. The websites are Eco and Beyond and Food Tank. Is that right? Yeah, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Listeners, I want you to know now, and I need to apologize in advance. <laughs> this episode has literally gone off the rails, and I will take, actually, I will not take responsibility for that. Um, <laughs> do, do you know, but I will apologize. Do you know why I laughed? It's because you said final round. Were you summarizing the round I just did, or that we just did? Yeah. I panicked because I thought you were saying final round, like we're about to do the final round. And I thought we'd just done it. So you were trying to find another team. <laughs> I was like, what was it going to be? I was like, I've got nothing. I would also like to the audience to know none of us slept very well last night. So. <laughs> I think that is such. You can't tell. For this episode, that is such important context. It because is. This is this is. I might messy. even put that as like a warning before yeah, the episode. I need to because this this is far by far the most rambling we have ever done. I don't know. By the last far. one we, we rambled a lot too. Okay, so the final round that we just did 
There was Kaylee, Get Behind the City Farms, Eco and Beyond, and Food Tank, which are two websites you can look at. And then Daisy, Daisy, think outside the box. Do you need to live in the city? I really like both of these. And da Daisy, I do agree with you, but also I feel that's kind of in contradiction with your second tip. Because your second tip was like, what do you think the suburbs? Do you really need to live? Oh, yeah. No, no. no. If you're going to move, don't just go to the yeah. suburbs. Go all the way. Go to a Scottish island. Go to Spain. Go to leave all together, I mean. Okay. I see what you're saying. So actually, they complement each other. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, that being said, I'm still going to give the two points to Kaylee. Because if I'm thinking city living if i'm telling my friend here's some tips for city living i would say get behind the city farms so that gives kaylee four points with daisy two points <gasps> and kaylee you how have survived city living i don't know how it happened it's a hat trick sorry daisy <laughs> she's gutted um all, all i'd like to say is this has been my favorite episode <laughs> <laughs> but i feel it's like have you ever watched an improv show where the performers start just doing in jokes and in you jokes, as the audience yeah. don't get it i feel this is going to be the episode we've enjoyed most but i'm not convinced it'll be yeah. the episode they enjoy the most well they can let us know they can let us know <laughs> <laughs> thank you kaylee for that transition you can let us know on instagram and twitter at how the number two survive pod on facebook how to survive your life and you can email us at how to survive your life pod pod at gmail.com let us know do you think this was just going off the rails was this generally funny or were we just indulging ourselves let us know thank you for listening please like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. <laughs> i mean we can answer i am i am conductor molly of this train and uh wreck <laughs> yeah Thank you. That's Daisy. That's Kaylee. Goodbye. Choo-choo. Music by Jazar. Daisy's references for City Living were from Nick Levine in Refinery29, Will Stewart from The Mirror, Lucy Middleton from The Metro, and Sophie Butcher from The Tab, Edinburgh. Kaylee's tips for city living are Bizarre London, a book by David Long, Food Tank, the website, Eco and Beyond, and Life. <laughs>